Welcome to Speaking On Demand, a podcast that breaks down the keynote speaking marketplace with speaker interviews, industry trends, and agent insights. I'm your host, Aaron Rayberg, speaker agent for Capital City Speakers Bureau. What is up, everyone? It's Aaron Rayberg back with another Speaking On Demand conversation. And today I am really excited to bring you a different perspective. If you are a meeting planner who is looking for some insights into what other planners and other training departments are doing to keep their employees engaged, well, then you came to the right place today. You see, I am speaking with Andy Schuster. He is a senior training manager at Growmark Inc., And in addition to that, Andy is also a keynote speaker and lecturer on the lecture circuit. So you'll see both sides of the perspective. Um, Andy's going to bring a lot of great information about what he and his team are doing to capitalize on this virtual environment and to continue their learning objectives at Growmark. And in addition to that, you'll hear a little bit more about Andy's take on leadership and what topics are important to be discussing with your senior leaders and your leaders in general during this time, during this COVID landscape that we're living. So here's a formal introduction on Andy. Andy Schuster is a senior training manager at Growmark Inc. He has accomplished training and development with a strong background in facilitating organizational training programs with an emphasis in leadership training and team building in the classroom and virtual environments. He helps leaders and the sales force understand the value of creating collaborative problem-solving relationships with their customers. And he brings value by helping his teams think strategically and engage in meaningful conversations that allow for reflection and inquiries that lead to change. One thing that's cool about Andy, he is a dog lover and one of his dreams and goals for the future is to create a retirement community for senior dogs who have lost their owners and need a place to call home for the rest of their lives. A good partner of ours and friend, Andy Schuster. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am joined by Andy Schuster. Andy, thank you so much for jumping on. And I can't wait to ask you, how are things going in agriculture? How are the growers doing out there this year? Well, I appreciate it, Aaron. Thanks for having me join uh, your podcast. I really love this format. So so as a learner and uh, being a part of the training department, this is one of my forms of learning. So you mentioned our farmers, our crops, the, the ag industry, and what does that look like? And um, 2020 is certainly a, a year of uniqueness, um, and we are certainly facing some unique challenges. We're going to have a banner year, uh, which might be surprising for some people to hear based on the, the storm that went through Iowa, the, the Drecho, that took out literally tens of millions of acres. Um, people would think that probably had a big impact on, on the crops as a whole, and to some degree, yes, it did, but because we are in such a place where we believe that it's going to be a banner year. Um, it didn't move prices very much. Um, and um, we're in a place where the ag industry as a whole is kind of uh, holding steady. We, from a positive standpoint, it certainly was not as wet as it was last year. Um, 
But the bigger issue I think we're going to see is going to be we have continued trade wars with China. So we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And then we've got some grain bin issues. So that what that storm did in Iowa was actually take out uh, a lot of storage facilities. So it's going to be interesting to see what the farmers in, in the Dakotas and Iowa in particular do in terms of getting uh, their grain dried and stored. So that'll be interesting yet to see. Um, but as a, as a whole, things are, are holding steady. We're, um, we're, we're the one group, I think, when COVID hit, uh, that was right during planting season. So uh, we didn't stop planting, obviously, and Growmark as a company uh, certainly had a, uh, had a good year as well as we looked uh, to support those groups, as, as we always do. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I always look to my father-in-law who, who farms in central Illinois, and I can usually tell at least get a good pulse of how things are going um, in general. So it, it's good to hear that uh, things are, are on the up and up, even with the, the derecho that you mentioned in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a the, fascinating time for sure. Oh, totally. <laughs> and you, I'm so excited to have you on the show because you bring the unique perspective, Andy, where not only, you know, you, you have the understanding of agriculture, which a lot of our clients and meeting planners, they play in that industry and in that space, but you are also um, part of your core roles are to plan events and to plan mm -hmm. meetings. And in yep. addition to that, you're also a speaker. So yeah. I think you, you were the first person that I've had on that actually plans meetings and events for their day yeah. job. So um, how, how, were, how did things go for you over at Growmark? You know, what did you and your team, what were you faced with and how are things going right now? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So, so a little background on Growmark from a culture perspective, which I think is incredibly important when you think about what it is we do in, in training and also speaking. So we are a relationship-based organization. So we love our meetings. Um, we love well-run meetings. We love our speakers. We love in-person training. Um, so this is something that traditionally we have always done and will always do. I would even say my training department had just stuck our toe into the virtual world when all of a sudden everything uh, just completely transitioned. It was fascinating for us. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the training department, then I'll talk about our events. The training department as a whole just had to make an incredibly hard pivot into full virtual. So when COVID hit, it really was our busy season. So we had probably anywhere from 20 to 50 workshops that our trainers would have done around the country, uh, including Canada, that we all of a sudden had to figure out what does this look like virtually. Now, what was fascinating, Aaron, is what I learned through this process is, A, we transitioned as a department very quickly using, uh, we use GoToMeeting, GoToTraining. Um, all of the different software platforms that are out there to run virtually, um, just the capability they have and then getting us up to speed. And I'm super proud of my team for traditionally being that instructor-led trainer and then switching to virtual. They did an amazing job. But then it's about content, switching what's normally in-person content to virtual, which all of us in the training world know, you just can't take a PowerPoint in a classroom class and stick it into a webinar. That doesn't work. So they've done a great job transitioning that. Tons of great lessons learned. The biggest lesson I learned is for us as an organization, the system as a whole, is that we don't know how to learn virtually. Because we love our in-person learning, this virtual world is very unique to our learners. And so there was a little trepidation going in there. I, I'll give them uh, kudos in terms of really jumping in and trying to understand it, but it's still very hard. So we had a, okay, we understand it's gotta be virtual, but when are we gonna get back to in-person? And so we often heard the get back to the way things were. Um, and so we, we've really had to challenge and fight folks to say, 
hey, this is this can be done this way. We can have value this way. And this is an opportunity for you to save money um, for not only yourself, but for the system as a whole and look to how to do things virtually. We are now back to probably half and half instructor led versus uh, uh, virtual. And we'll, and we'll probably maintain that model. From the meeting space, our organization did not want to cancel our meetings. So we ended up canceling three, two huge, well, four huge events. So our two sales awards events that would have been down in, I think there were one in Mexico, one in Hawaii, our annual meeting, which is traditionally up in Chicago every year, and our cooperative leadership conference, we call it CLC, which is in Florida. Those are huge events, um, big budgets, tons of great speakers, very powerful, very well received by our, our system. And it just came down to the place where we had to look around and say, and our CEO, Jim Spradlin said, look, we got, it's safety. We don't know what this is. We don't know where it's going to be when we go there. And so collectively, they pretty much wiped out all of the meetings for the next year. Um, we're just now getting back to talk about what is potentially meeting in person next summer look like. Um, so my goodness, yeah, it would be next summer. We're a year out of really not having any big events. And that is a, that is a significant, significant culture shift for, for our organization. You know, just on that topic of about being one year out from live events, I saw a survey um, and I, I wish you could, I'll have to put, I'll put this survey in the notes. Um, it came out this morning and it talked about meeting planners confidence and when they were going to go back to in-person yeah. meetings. And they, they basically said one in five planners. So it was about 21% of planners are going to host meetings this year and have some sort of an audience, yeah. you know, maybe bring in outside perspective. And then the real meat of the like 25% were confident that it would come back in Q2 of next year. And like 25% thought it would come back in Q3. Yeah. And then some were undecided. So I, what I'm seeing in terms of like requests for, for speakers, which would tell you, you know, when, when are these in-person things going to happen? I'm getting a lot of virtual inquiries mm -hmm. for this year. I'm getting some for Q1 next year. And the, the planners that are trying to get ahead, like and book things about a year out, I am getting some of that stuff for next summer. So it's right in line with yeah. what you guys are kind of planning and thinking. Yeah. And you mentioned virtual. That's, that's what we're doing. We're not, we're not foregoing to event as a whole. We're just completely changing what it looks like. So one of our, one of our larger leadership meetings, um, that CLC event that I just mentioned, what was, is normally three days, six speakers, lots of um, opportunities for networking. We're going to take it down to three hours. Um, and we have three outside speakers coming in. Uh, and then we're going to, and we're actually trying to figure out what do we want to do with that. So we are working with professional vendors in the virtual world studios. Um, so those of you that are out there in that, in that studio space, uh, if you can make the case for high professional uh, quality um, and ensure that we've got connectivity and all that fun stuff, we're going to do that. One thing interesting for us, and we haven't decided yet, Aaron, is we're not sure if we're going to record their, their fundamental speech and then and show that during that time frame, and then have 30 minutes of Q&A live with them or just let them be live the entire time. So those are things that we're trying to figure out. Um, what I'm hearing from a lot of our speakers is I've got 30 minutes of content and then let's jump into Q&A. Um, and that's been a little bit of a transition and a shift. I think that's just based on people's tolerance for the amount of time to be in a virtual space is for I sure. we're starting to get a good sense of what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. It's like the the st the standard 75 to 90 minute keynote 
is now 30 to 40 minutes. And yep. then there's some Q and A in there. <clears throat> and we've been seeing everything from like pre-recorded keynotes, which I think meeting planners like that, um, that, that idea, because you know, that really does eliminate a lot of the potential for technology yep. glitching going yep. offline. Um, some speakers like doing it that way. Some speakers don't like doing it that way. Yeah. I do think the Q and A for me, and I've seen about a dozen of these live keynotes recently, the Q and A is just very entertaining and it almost kind of feels like everybody's got, I've said this a lot, but everybody has a front row seat to whether it's the speaker or the right. trainer. Um, so there are some advantages, but one thing I wanted to ask you, you talked about how um, we learn differently virtually and we're, we're not, we don't really understand kind of how to learn virtually. How, how do you, or how does an organization, I guess, check for understanding to make sure that the key concepts that you're delivering stick and are applied? Yeah, it, re it really goes back down into the training world. We talk about learning outcomes and business objectives. So you're coming to this class, um, crucial conversations that normally is in person, now it's virtual. So uh, we still have our learning outcomes and our, uh, tied to our business objectives. From an application standpoint, what we've done, Aaron, is we've actually spent quite a bit of time up front, um, really in two places. The first is sending out quite a bit of documentation up front saying, this is how you learn in this world. This is how we're going to apply it. You are going to be virtual. We're going to ask you to interact. So it sets the standards for the expectation of the classroom being in a virtual setting, camera on, you're going to be called on, so actively engaged. We talk about the timeline, a condensed, compressed timeline. And then we talk about application and application for us is really twofold. First of all, it's, it's practice and application inside the classroom, um, which is different when you get thrown into a breakout room. So from a technology platform standpoint, we need, we need to have breakout rooms, but you get thrown into a breakout room, you're with somebody virtually, you've got to practice. What does that look like? So we spend a lot of, a lot of time up front when we start our either live training or uh, in a recorded webinar, we'll spend a lot of time up front saying, here's how you need to learn in this space. The other thing that we've done is and ensured that we do, and this again, every, every training department would do this, is everybody loves training. They walk out of the room, they're like, that was great. How do you, how do you apply that? What's, what's the big win? And so what we've, what we've tried to do, and we're a small department in a huge geographic territory, but what we've tried to do is really pour into the group prior to them leaving the room. How am I going to apply this? What does this look like in my day to day? And then have some follow up with them as, as they go forward. And so uh, we still use some, what I would call traditional training means and uh, means and methodology in terms of surveys, follow up, reminders, things of that nature. But it's the upfront, here's how I'm going to learn in this virtual space. And here's how I'm going to apply it back at work. We, we literally just hold their hand and walk them through what that's going to look like. So let's say, a year from now, in, an, in, a, in a perfect world, there's a vaccine, we're meeting again in person. Maybe that looks a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But once we get back to in-person meetings, knowing what we know about virtual right now, yeah. what would you say, um, what, what are the chances that virtual trainings and virtual speakers stick around in some fashion um, once in-person events return? Is there, still a, is, is there still a space for this? Yeah, it's a great question. And so you, you see a lot of this, certainly your, your more progressive organizations are, it, we can pull it off. This is, this is a beautiful thing. What I would say for those of you out there that are either in train department or meeting spaces, what is your culture gonna, going to accept? And so 
in in my world, we call it blended learning. So the virtual component, the in-person component. In our world, what we're doing now is we're completely redesigning some of what would normally be our three and four day in-person sessions down to what we call intercession learning, which is virtual. So you're gonna get some uh, static pre-work. You're gonna need to read this article. We're then gonna get online as a group. We're gonna, we're gonna have an opportunity to view some videos to talk about them so that when we do meet in person, we've got a chance, you were talking about application, to talk more deeply about how do we apply that? What does that mean to me? So as a training department for us, we are absolutely gonna do that. Um, we're never gonna get away from instructor-led. And, and those of you that run training departments, I would tell you your trainers are gonna wanna know that because instructor-led training is the lifeblood. Um, there are just um, a significant amount of research showing us that uh, not only do our participants prefer instructor-led, but it's also uh, a little bit more valuable in terms of the application piece. Having said that, uh, Aaron, from a budget standpoint, a cost standpoint, a training standpoint, virtual works. You just, and for me, again, we talk about culture. I can't rely solely on that. I've got to use it in a way that's going to be palatable to the organization. No, I think that's a great response. And really, like, what will your culture what will they tolerate? I think that's a really good question for everybody to ask out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that there's research that in-person and instructor-led training uh, has some better outcomes because uh, that, that is the business that we operate in here <laughs> yeah, at the exactly. Speakers Bureau. So that, that's definitely good to see. So are, are, you, are you hearing from any other associates or any peers that are people starting to miss in-person events and in-person meetings? Um, yes. And hear anything like that? <laughs> yeah. I, I would think yeah, the, 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 yes. the short answer is yes. And I think it's a, it's a, coll a collective um, sigh of tiredness. So we were talking before we got on of, I, I just want some sense of normalcy because everything keep, seems to change and people, people are, are instinctively relational and, and want to be in that space. Um, you know, we, we run some pretty large uh, programs with uh, Purdue University and some other and some other organ, uh, some other programs that we run across our system where the number one takeaway in some of the learning uh, of the learning outcomes is networking to better understand what these other people do in their roles. And so people miss that. Um, and we're, we're such a unique organization as a cooperative that understanding what other people do in those roles yeah, you can have a meeting on Zoom and talk about that, but it's just kind of the the networking, getting together, and again, culturally talking about our company's highly relational, so they want to they want to be able to to have that relationship. So, everybody wants to get back together. Um, we, we as a training department have the have the sole responsibility to ensure safety when we do run our training, if it's our meeting. So we have done some some unique things in our classroom to kind of make sure that we can do that when we are uh, in person. You know, it's funny when I do have the opportunity to help Growmark with outside speaker support. Um, I jump on these these alignment phone calls that we have prior to the event, and it doesn't even matter how well articulated it is. Trying to describe and explain the co-op structure, yeah. <laughs> um, it leaves almost every speaker scratching their head, yeah. quote unquote, you know, you can't see them, but they're asked questions, they ask follow-up questions. And yeah. um, it's one of the cool things that I get to do in my role is I get to kind of be in on those conversations and listen in and learn a lot about companies that I, I maybe wouldn't know otherwise, yeah. but it is, it's an interesting model. And I think, uh, you know, not one that everybody has encountered. 
it, it's a model that, you know, I think the, the simplest explanation is um, our CEO uses is Growmark is McDonald's corporate headquarters up in Chicago. So Growmark Bloomington is the corporate headquarters. We have our franchisees, we call them our members spread throughout North America. Our members are organizations that ultimately serve our farmers. These are um, $100 million operations. They have CEOs, they have, you know, three, 400 employees. These are, um, these are the people that we at Growmark support. And so if you think of, you take that perspective between uh, uh, North America, so we have Canadian operations as well, you've got companies. And so when we do training, all of these companies have their own leadership style. They have their own culture. They have their own learning outcomes. They, so we are literally, when we're doing training for companies, we're bouncing in and out of different cultures all the time. So when we get all of that group together, the consistency is is not consistent and it's fun and it's awesome and everybody's got a different perspective. And so you're literally throwing 30, 40 different cultures into one Growmark culture that's highly relational, um, very traditional, and you get that uh, perspective and it's it's a lot of fun when we have uh, leadership meetings to kind of banter around what uh, what folks are doing in different parts of, of North America. No, I, that that definitely makes sense when you explain it that way. Um, so it, let's change gears for a minute. So you've given us a lot of good information from the meeting planner side of the desk. Mm -hmm. I want to change gears a little bit now and talk about some of the events, some of your speaking topics and sure. some of the things that you're passionate about right now. Um, and you've done talks before for us on succession planning, leadership, customer service. Are there any areas that uh, you are maybe say more passionate about or has this new COVID um, you know, world landscape that we're living in, has that brought out any other topics that would be good for you to discuss for upcoming events? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, when I was hired, my, my first job was to be the, the leadership um, uh, manager over the leadership development component. And, and I, obviously I've got, I've got background in that uh, was, was grew up in the state farm world was a trainer in the state farm uh, on the agency side and then on a little bit on the leadership side and then jumped over to Growmark about five years ago to help um, talk about what is what does leadership look like and for me I, I think and for any I think leadership trainer what we want to do is just make you better so how how do we do that and what what I've landed on and where I've become really passionate about really becomes um, kind of the core components of what it means to be a leader. So we've got a number, uh, the, the amount of surveys and data that we have from our system, the quantitative qualitative feedback that we're getting from our employees, uh, the information that uh, we wanna deliver back out to our leaders becomes something that becomes so foundational. And for some reason, Aaron, it, and it cuts across all the organizations, being a leader, when I when most of my presentations are about that senior leader, that executive level, understanding who you are as a leader, and then executing on what that means or what that looks like, is that's what it it's, it's about, and it becomes really really challenging. And so, I love my primary workshops are probably executive leadership presence. What does that look like? Succession planning is a huge one that is is so much fun to get involved with and has such an impact on organizations, uh, but is, is, is time consuming. And, and how do you do that as an organization? What does that look like? And then probably the third big one, and we've been talking a lot about it, you've heard me say this, is, is culture. 
I mean, as a senior leader, as a CEO, your responsibility is the culture. And if your culture stinks, uh, you're, you're in big trouble. And, and I've seen that in person across the system, both in a positive way and both in a negative way. So a lot of the presentations will focus on being that senior leader. What does that mean? Um, I would say my presentation style is, is again, I would, I would suspect most speakers, I want you to apply something that you're hearing or listening. So I want to make it as easy and fun as possible. Um, so I, I bring a little bit of sense of humor, a little bit of storytelling. I'm pretty direct. So I kind of call, uh, call th some things out that I'm seeing, um, but also want, want to give you a framework for what am I going to do going forward based on what Andy just talked about. And that's kind of how we, that's kind of typically how we, how we operate in that regard. Do you like to apply some workshop elements into yes. talks that you give? What, what, a, you know, what would be an example of something like that? You know, like, work let's say, let's say I want to be, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm a high level leader. I want to get better in terms of self-awareness and how I can be more impactful. You know, what are maybe what, what's one way to workshop that in order to get them to the next level? Yeah, there's a couple different ways that we'll do it. And usually uh, I've had done anything from pre-work, so doing assessments. So you talk about self-awareness. One of the things that I would want to know from that organization in the pre-call and that I might want to do is uh, can we send out a five-minute uh, mindset assessment survey? And so I, I talked a little bit about being kind of uh, – uh, challenging with that group. So if I, if self-awareness is an issue, I need to know where you are. Um, I think any speaker that comes in and kind of has a generic riff is, is really doing a disservice to that group. If I don't know you, your culture, what that looks like, it's going to be a challenge for me to, to, to help you. So self-awareness, I would do a mindset survey, I'd get the results. They would certainly be in a place or space where it helps me absolutely capture the core of what I want to focus on and what I want to talk about. And at the same time, there are going to be some challenging answers in that mindset survey. So um, we can pull those out and, and, and kind of identify them and, and not make fun of them, but, but uh, use them in a way that uh, really challenges them. And, and it's, it's okay to, it's leadership development is ongoing and constant. Nobody's a perfect leader, myself included, but, uh, if the desire to be better is there, that's really where I want to get them going in that workshop format. I just want to help you get to that place where you're, you're going to be a better leader. What, what are your thoughts on, um, so back to like your training routes. I mean, you, you, mm -hmm. you have to do, you have to do a lot of training opportunities and training events internally, because I think nobody, nobody probably understands the culture better than hopefully the, the leaders that are training it. But what, what mix of bringing in outside perspective is healthy or should be targeted. And I'm sure it's different for every group, but uh, what, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like mixing it up with outside perspective. Yeah. When, when you go out and you design, um, what's well, good, good question. Again, I'll go back to where are we, what do we need to do as an organization? And I'll give you an example for us is um, we, we have a, I call a stair step model for leadership development aspiring leaders, young leaders, supervisor, experienced leader, senior leader. And inside of those is a program, usually a multi-day multi, multi -day program. We're in charge of it. We're responsible to develop it. It's a competency-based model, and so we teach to it. However, they don't want to see Aaron every day talking about all things leadership. They don't want to see Andy every day talking about all, all things leadership. So Inside of those programs, we try to bring in a good mix of internal and external individuals. One thing that we've done, Aaron, that's been kind of cool, and I'd, I'd suggest it, um, and you could do it, we're actually going to do this virtually. 
Um, so if you're running a meeting or a training department, what is your biggest issue in your company right now? And then go out and get a panel of experts that do it the exact opposite way that you do. So for example, at uh, Growmark, we, uh, we have a panel uh, twice a year and we, it's based on our leadership competency model, which we've developed. Leadership and motivation is one of our competencies. And so we have a very top-down hierarchical leadership style as an organization. So I went out and got three leaders that absolutely don't follow that model, brought them in and we had a conversation about what does your leadership style look like? What are the positives? What are the challenges? And it's been an absolute home run from that perspective. So uh, not and only probably bring- not probably not very expensive. I mean, it probably cost you more time to track those folks down and then it would, uh, you know, pay a fee on something like that. So, yeah. The, the cool thing locally is the number of people that will want to come in and help you help your organization is I, I haven't found anybody say no. Uh, coordinating calendars is the hardest thing. So, hey, we'll buy you lunch. We'll give you a gift card and uh, we'll do this for an hour. Are you open to do it? Everybody jumps in it. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a neat idea that we brought uh, when I came over to Grow Market. It was just something I saw this traditional way of thinking. And I thought, man, let's just let's bring in people that are being super successful and challenge what it is that they're doing. Oh, I love that. It's just, it's amazing to me. So, you know, of the hundreds of clients that we work with every year, there are some clients who have really leaned into virtual and have embraced it and have hired outside perspective. And, uh, you know, whether it be a speaker or, or an athlete to shake some things up or whatever. And then there are other organizations, whether they be an association or a corporation, where I've had conversation with the meeting planners and they've said, you know, this, this just isn't something that we're comfortable with. And they have, yeah. and they have completely avoided it. And well, we'll just wait till next year's event. And I, I think my response right now, at least what I'm thinking is, if your organization or if your association values outside perspective, there's really never been a better and easier time to get that at a low cost and port that out to you know, where everyone is virtually. Um, I just, it just really does it shocks me that there are so many organizations out there that are um, not doing anything right now for lack of better words. And I, I mean, it's one thing, I don't care if they book through Capital City Speakers Bureau, great. Um, but I just hope that they're doing something to keep their teams engaged and to keep people sharp. You know, one thing that when COVID hit, we shifted and one of the, the, the programs or classes that we developed and designed um, is leadership through crisis. And it, it played out as clear as all the research would tell us is what are you doing? How are you making your teams better? And when you're in this place of, and I would still call this a crisis because it's, it's an unknown, you're not sure what's happening. And so the amount of time that you as a leader or as a CEO or senior leader have to spend talking, just, just communicating to your teams and rethinking how you're doing things is extraordinary. And including myself, I had, to, I had to fundamentally change the way that I was communicating with my team, talking about safety, talking about mental health and awareness, talking about ensuring they're still going to have jobs. So if it's one of those, hey, we're going to wait till it goes back, I, I promise you as a leader, you've done a tremendous disservice to your team. So to your point, Aaron, I, my challenge to that group would be um, hey guys, let's, let's, what are other people doing? Other organizations are operating in this environment. Um, how about we bring somebody in just to talk to your leadership team about here's what we're doing during this pandemic and the importance of doing something versus 
the extreme challenge of not doing anything. Um, it, it, you know, you think about all the issues that surround this are things that I've never dealt with before. That is weekly change. So my strategy changes all the time. That is technology that I've got to get used to that is working in a, a culture, a new culture, an environment where I've got to tell my learners how to learn. I've got to communicate with my team. I've got to make sure they're healthy. I've got to make sure they're strong and I've got to meet the needs of the, of the client. So, so anybody that's out there not doing anything, I would, I would encourage you wholeheartedly encourage you at the very least, get your leadership team involved around some conversations of what, what could we do? What should we do? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really good advice. I, I appreciate that. Well, Andy, I mean, it has been awesome connecting with you and having you on and, and thank you for dropping some, some nuggets about what you and the team over at Growmark are doing. Um, I work with a lot of companies and a lot of associations around the United States and Canada and Growmark is one of those groups and one of those organizations that I've always been so impressed with um, because you guys are, you guys are continuous learners um, and, and you really do value outside perspective, um, and how other people do things. And I think that says a lot about your group before we uh, break it off today. Do you have anything else that you want to share or anything else, um, that you want to leave maybe meeting planners or speakers with right now? Um, well, first of all, I'd say, I, I think about you in particular, Aaron, in your, your business. Um, and when I saw this podcast, I just thought, you know, good for you for <laughs> looking at alternative ideas and themes, um, for the business planners out there in the world, uh, cost is a thing. So you can get some great speakers. Um, but in, for us as an organization, even if we were to bring the John Maxwell's in the world, you know, the, the really high value speakers that are out there, the value that groups see in, in person versus virtual, there is a big financial difference. So when you're talking to your individuals that you're trying to book things, you've just got to bring that reality to them. Um, the other thing for in the virtual world that I found tremendously is what are you going to bring to the table outside of this virtual meeting? That's going to be a value to us. And what I mean by that is are do we have a pre-assessment? Do we have pre-work? Do I have, are you going to give me an ebook? Is there going to be recorded uh, videos after this? What can I link into based on what you're telling me on this virtual conversation? So any, any add-on, any extra that, that you can bring to the table with your speakers is going to be, is going to be tremendous. And I would add in there, it could even be the add-in could be, Hey, bring me in to help you uh, f consult in this role or help facilitate uh, a meeting in person if you if that's something you want to do after you hear somebody speak so those are those are the issues when I'm looking at somebody virtually that I'm I'm looking for that kind of extra add-in and the cost is right that's wonderful Andy thanks so much for being on speaking on demand and we'll catch up with you sometime here down the road take care Sounds my great. friend take care that's all for today's show I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation with Andy Schuster. I know I learned a few things. And if you're a meeting planner out there, I hope you learned a few things that you can try at your organization as well. A few things I mentioned during the show, um, a recent survey found by businesstravelnews.com. I will put that down in the show notes. Andy also mentioned some research that was done on the difference between in-person lecturing versus virtual training. So we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Until next time, this is Aaron Rayberg for Speaking On Demand. 
Have a great week. To hire a speaker for your next meeting or event, contact me at area code 217-855-6909, call or text. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron Rayberg and check out my LinkedIn profile at linkedin.com slash in slash Aaron Rayberg.